The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. Hear the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the truth. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who gonna Welcome to the Call Me Last of Sports Talk Radio Show, Tempe, Arizona, October 2nd, 2012. It kind of sounds like a news opening, huh? It does. Uh, <laughs> Alex Clancy, Deborah DeBree, Cindy Liskin, studio. Ladies, what's Dude, cracking? Sir. Cindy, nice to have you back after last week you weren't here. <laughs> yeah, I bet you missed me. <laughs> I did, wholeheartedly. Uh, Deborah, how's everything going? It's all going good. Lots of stuff going on. I did want to tell you what, I did want to mention something on ESPN tonight at five, I think it's five o'clock, it is five o'clock Pacific time. There's a show called Broke, and it's talking about uh, players that how they get out of the league, and then all of a sudden within five years, they're, they're broke. Um, NBA, about 60% of them, and uh, NFL, about 78%. So catch it, it's going to be yeah, good. It's gonna be really the good psychological one. aspect of what they go through when they go from high-powered play into, holy man, who am I now? I've lost the uniform, so I've lost myself. Absolutely. Cindy, how was, how's your week been? Red Rocks? Uh, Red Rocks rocks. I went to see Jason Mraz and Christina Perry there. Great show. They're playing here, I think, tonight, tomorrow night. Oh, I'll be sure to check Catch them out. It's a good show. No, I, I know. Uh, Christina Perry is kind of too... Uh, She's amazing. I, I was me. iffy on her, too, but she is amazing, and they do a duet. Yep, go. Red Rocks, beautiful. Cool. Uh, lots to talk about. Great Thursday to Monday of sports. Uh, Cardinals 4-0. Uh, who, who would have predicted that? That's um, pretty amazing. Uh, they've been playing really well, though, which is a very, very good thing. Uh, the United States, epic catastrophe at the Ryder Cup in Medina. Medina, Medina, I believe. Uh, they were up 10-6 going into the singles matches, ended up losing 14.5 to 13.5. Cindy, I will talk to you about the scoring in a minute. Lot, lot talk about Tony Romo five interceptions last night. Uh, so that's a little. Uh, we have down and dirty with Deborah, I believe, in the second segment today. We're going to bump it up a segment. First, Cardinals four and zero leading their division. They beat the Cardinals twenty four twenty one on Sunday. Overtime win. Jay Feely field goal after a turnover in overtime uh, uh, sealed the win for them. You know, Kevin Cobb is starting to make a believer out of me. I I, I kind of wait until. I see a lot of work before I kind of make a decision on things. Last year, he got a bad rap. He was injured the whole year. Didn't really have a chance to learn the playbook by playing through it. You know, people can read a book as much as they as much as they want, but you've got to uh, experience it. You've yeah. got to experience yeah. it, and take when your you're hits healthy, and get up and yeah, yeah, and take your hits is a, is a big thing because he was sacked eight times on Sunday, mm-hmm. which is a, a looming problem, uh, especially because he's kind of fumble happy. Uh, but, you know, he, he played well, and uh, you can't really fault um, anybody on their team so far. You know, they've played really well. They've played their defense, has stepped up. Um, well, they certainly know how to go into overtime and win a game. Yeah, it's crazy. I, <laughs> I, I don't know where this comes from, but look at these numbers. They're 24th in passing yards, 30th in rush yards, 21st in pass defense, and 15th in rush defense uh, with regards to yards. 
I don't know how they're doing it, but they are, and I, I'm not going to ask any questions at this point. Granted, after their bye week, they have a gauntlet of teams. They have to play San Francisco twice, including the last game of the year at San Francisco. Uh, so it's going to be really, really difficult uh, down the stretch, but hopefully they can hold on and um, maybe make a playoff run. Well, and how great is it that they've got this 4-0 record going into playing some of the rougher teams? Because now, as a team, the Cardinals, as a team, believe. They used to believe in themselves individually and kind of maybe almost as a team, and now they not only believe in themselves, but they believe in themselves as a team. So they're a working unit, and to have Cobb come off of, now nah, we're going to go with Skelton, and then all of a sudden he's he's the man. Um, he's been doing a great job. Absolutely. You know? yeah. uh, I don't want to say great because he's, you know, he's got his... Uh, the best and the worst of throws, but he's keeping them, uh, helping to keep the Cardinals in the game and winning. Yeah, I mean, and Andre Roberts is uh, is proving himself to be a great second option. Six catches, 118 yards, two touchdowns. He had six receptions on nine targets, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, and Cobb is ninth in the NFL in, in quarterback passer rating, which is unfathomable compared to where they where they were last year. So, and I believe that the best pass I've ever seen him make was that fourth and two pass uh, into the end zone for a touchdown for Andre Roberts mm-hmm. with 22 seconds left. Right hash mark throws it to the left, lower left corner of the end zone. Had to be a perfect pass. It was a perfect catch. And uh, they, they sailed away with a win. And for the Arizona fans that are um, kind of fans, kind of not fans, it depends on whether they, you know, their teams are winning and losing, enjoy the freaking moment, people. we got 4-0 and right now. Enjoy the moment. You know, these fans are showing up to tailgate parties and, and the games expecting a win now, which is uh, a whole different attitude. Anything to add there, Cindy? I'm just nodding. I'm He's agreeing nodding. with you Nobody guys. can see you nod. <laughs> I know. Uh, the, only, the only thing that, that is kind of a, a looming issue is that there are only two games ahead of the uh, fourth-place team in the, mm-hmm. in the NFC West. Seattle's 2-2. Two and two, St. Louis is 2-2. Two and two. I believe one of those two teams will drop off, maybe win uh, six or seven games max. Uh, but the NFC West used to be the weakest division, division in the NFL. Division? And, well, I mean division and division in the NFL, and uh, now they're... You know, they're kind of showing themselves that uh, it's not just San Francisco, that they're a lot deeper than well, that. it's going to be interesting going into the second, uh, the second part, the second qu- uh, quarter of the season and uh, seeing, you know, who's got injuries, who's stepping up, who's backing off, and, uh, you know, uh, the resiliency is going to start playing through now as well. Yeah, I, and but this always goes back to their weakness, which is the offensive line, which is obviously showing uh, through the run game, which is almost uh, non, non-existent. Ryan Williams had 22 yards rushing, and that was their leading leading rusher last week. This can't last forever. You know, they need their defense can't hold them forever. They need to have, especially in the the new age of the NFL, where points wins and not lack of points wins. You know, not not stopping touchdowns wins. It's, no, it's lack a of touch- points wins in golf. Well, uh, <laughs> never mind. Oh, that's for later. Okay. Uh, it it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Arizona. I mean, I just hope that they don't lose four in a row in the middle of the season, which is you just can't do in the NFL. Right. You can't lose two games in a row, let alone four, and, and, and have, have an yeah, amazing shot. they've got the momentum. Up. They've got to ride that wave. And they're yeah. not used to having the pressure on them because usually they're, yeah. uh, if, if they pull it out, everyone's thrilled. But now that they're 4-0, and they've got that pressure of the expectations now, and they're not used to having that. So yeah. it could be an interesting... Yeah, it can make a difference. There's no doubt. And, and uh, I just want to, when you mentioned Feely, too, I just want to put a shout-out to, you know, 
kickers throughout the league. There's some that aren't doing very well and others that are just killing it. And along with the kicker, there's a snapper. And those guys don't get recognized, but man, if, you know, if the ball gets snapped and that holder can't, you know, can't, uh, get the position right, then the kicker has, uh, statistics go way down on the ability to make the field goal. Absolutely. And punting as well. Cause I remember week one when the Chargers played Oakland and their, and the, uh, the Raiders long snapper got injured. Uh, yeah. the Chargers that, blocked a punt and there were two muffed punts, I believe. I mean, it was, it was, it was well, horrible. And, and that's long snapper and, right. and, and, uh, field goal snapper alike. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And we look at, uh, you know, how many games are being won and lost due to the kicker, you know, and the pressure and the whole conversation around icing and that. And, again, you know, the guys that I've worked with, because I've worked with kickers, punters, and snappers, both college, you know, level and pro, that, uh, you know, my guys get iced. They're like, dude, cool. Give me some more time. You yeah. know, that's cool. Let me relax my body. Let me get my imagination going. Let me see that ball go through. And then, you know, we're, we're ready to rock it. Percentages go up when kickers get ice now mm-hmm. uh, on, on making field goals. So mm-hmm. I would think at some point some defensive uh, linebacker will fake a timeout or something. There's got to be some sort of uh, twinge to the thing now that, right. that, that catches the kickers off guard uh, because now they are expecting to be iced So right. uh, at the very last second. So, you know, uh, I don't know, but yeah, Jay Feely's definitely definitely held his uh, side of the bargain. He demand. And, uh, yep. you know, you see Steven Goskowski for New England used to be automatic, and that was one of the wins for Arizona right. yeah. when he missed exactly. the field goal. Yep. So, I mean, it is it does come down to field goal kicking a lot of times, and it's, it's expected that they make kicks, but the pressure itself, those kickers can make 100 out of 100 from 42 yards when, when there's nobody in the right. building. Right. So it, it's, all about, um, it's all about the pressure. And it's amazing to watch you know, practices and stuff, too, because a good team, when they practice their kickers, which don't get the near amount of practice that the other players get, I mean, they will cause all sorts of disruption around them just to get them used to being under that type of you know, noise and pressure and those type of things, but nothing's like a real game. So there's three undefeated teams, Atlanta, Houston, and the Cardinals. There's, there are 10-2-2 teams and 7-3-1 teams. So just because the records aren't gaudy now for a lot of teams, let, let's take out the Saints because this might be a throwaway year for them, unfortunately. They're talking about bringing in another head coach, which I think would be blasphemous. It's not mm-hmm. Sean, Sean Payton is the only one that now is still suspended for what happened, for overseeing things that have been rescinded since. Which I, you know, I think is a joke, but that's that's for another show because we don't have time for that today. Um, the NFC East, one game is separating first and last. The AFC East, one game is separating first and last. There are only two divisions where there's actually a runaway already. Houston's four and zero. Indies one and two, Jacksonville's one and three, Tennessee's one and three. So Houston's pretty much locked that division up already. Yeah, and they've the been pretty decisive the in their yeah. wins too. Yeah, and their defense is ridiculous. Yeah. They have a great run attack. They have one of the best receivers in the league. And you would think that losing Mario Williams would kind of mm. would kind of give them a, a you know a, a little hiccup in their defense, but it's gotten stronger. They're they're very turnover oriented, but they still play great defense. We go back to the Packers when they won the Super Bowl. They had. So many turnovers, but they get they cause so many turnovers. But the yardage they gave up and the points they gave up was ridiculous. Well, if they're not careful, the uh, Dallas Cowboys, their fans are going to start moving towards the uh, Texans and say, oh, "I'll go with the team Lord. in the south instead of the team in the north." And well, <laughs> at least they have somebody good to root for. You, you can mark my words down. Until Jerry Jones leaves that organization, they will never win. Yeah. And they're kind of in between a rock and a hard place now because if they do end up. Uh, they, they stopped contract talks with Tony Romo for the time being, you know, which is a good time because he threw five picks yesterday, yeah. two of which weren't his fault because they were towards the end of the game. One was tipped, but I digress. The pick six was... 
That was, uh, and I, I, you know what, I would and put I that. And I blame the receiver. Uh, you got to blame the receiver on that, but you don't know. I mean, Des Bryant has his own issues off the field, and we don't know if the, if that uh, emotional aspect and, and the mental aspect is all there yet. He's still a young kid, but you have Tony Romo, who can come in that would be better, and that's a tough, that's a tough situation for to be. Yep. Well, well, they have Kyle Orton <laughs> in the back, who's who's played, who has a lot of wins under his belt. I mean, he threw the ball all over the place in Denver. Yeah, they scored a lot of points when he was in Denver. Uh, before Tebow came in, and uh, I mean in Chicago, when, once they started letting him throw the ball, he's got an arm. He's a good veteran quarterback. So who knows if? He, but still, Dallas is two and two. Everybody's freaking out. Right. Week it's one, early. yeah, week it's one they they uh, they massacred uh, the Giants, and and now they now they lose one game, and now it's like get rid of Tebow. Let's blow up the stadium. Let's let's move the team to you know Canada. Uh, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> or and, England. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. let's not talk about that. <laughs> I don't think Jerry Jones would have that with a $1.2 billion stadium they might that they ship built. him over there. Does it make a difference when you see the loss like that? Is it amplified when it's on Monday Night Football and everybody's watching it as opposed to the games that you may not see on a Sunday where you just kind of hear the highlights? Sure. I mean, I think that has definitely something to do with it. Also, that Tony Romo's had two Monday Night Football games and throw 10 interceptions. Uh, okay? Yeah. So, it, it's different when everything's magnified, especially with him, because... He's known for buckling under pressure. It always it goes back to the to the held snap against the Eagles, right. uh, the field goal that would clinch, get him in the playoffs. He fumbles it, and um, you know the rest is history there. So that was the beginning of his legacy there. And granted, he has he has glimpses, games, stretches of games where he is a Pro Bowl quarterback. He looks like an MVP quarterback, but. The, the downside of that is Tom Brady never throws five interceptions in a game. Well, and that's the thing. We go back to what we've talked about before. It's all about consistency. You don't have to be the absolute best. You just need to be consistent at what mm-hmm. you do. You know, we look at, uh, you know, going back to the Cardinals, you know, Cobb isn't necessarily the best quarterback, but at least there's some level of consistency in what he's been doing, consistency in the bad throws as well as the good throws, but he gets enough, you know, more of the good ones than the bad ones. Absolutely. So, you, you know, yeah. you've got to get somebody that the players can um, depend on and not go to the locker room and everybody's, you know, trying not to look at you because, you know, they've got a little bit of hatred in their eyes. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah. with with regards to Dallas, if you stop their running back, you beat them. And that's that's what's shown uh, this year so far. And that's the beauty of Arizona's. Everybody stopped Arizona's running game because their offensive line is, you know, suspect at best at this point. If Kevin Cobb does not turn the ball over like Tony Romo did, if Kevin Cobb can withstand... Uh, the pressure, rush out of the pocket, not fumble the ball, not tr- not throw not throw, uh, throw interceptions. You know, who, well, know, who knows what could happen? It's if you don't turn the ball over on offense and you have a good defense, that's usually a good recipe for success. Well, and what we saw with Cobb, I mean, he turned around and had a horrible, a horrible pass, but then turned around, you know, turned it around yeah. within the same game. Mm-hmm. He didn't continue going down the tube, which is what Romo did. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? I mean, and the last one that he threw was they were down, they were down three scores, and he underthrew the ball. I mean, that's so that one. There was a tip pass. It was a veteran quarterback making a rookie play. Right. Well, yeah, but I mean, what are you going to do at that point? I mean, it's pretty much mm-hmm. playing a video game, throwing a hail mary, having everybody go deep. And uh, and hope to not throw an interception. Cross your fingers and pray. Yeah, I mean, and Demarco Murray was nowhere to be found. Uh, it, Chicago's offense just it, it was it was flowing, especially if Brandon Marshall gets gets targets and gets catches. Jay Cutler's a stud, and people think because he's a punk, he's kind of like the Philip Rivers. He 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 yells a lot and everything. He pouts and stuff, but he wears his heart on his sleeve, and you got to respect that. Uh, we got to take a break. Call me Lesser Sports Talk. We'll be back in a bit.
flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. My words, my Stevie. Uh, welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska in studio. Uh, we were talking about the Cardinals. Uh, good win, 4-0. Another, I think another thing is that there was no pressure on them this year. So Kevin Cobb coming in or John Skelton coming in, uh, there was no playoff. There were no playoff uh, thoughts. There were no uh, the expectations weren't yeah. high. So yeah. now the expectations are high, as Cindy alluded to earlier. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Uh, another team in their division, the 49ers. Uh, woo! That's like amazing. You know, I, I didn't really know a word uh, word to describe there. They rushed for more than 200 yards. Uh, they pretty much. Uh, sent the Jets home without, you know, without dinner. They sent him to a room without dinner. Tail between and, the legs. Uh, Mark Sanchez, off. 13 of 29, 103 yards. Uh, ooh, I mean, ooh. I, I'm just going to talk about it. It's going to have to come up at some point. People think that it's time for Tim Tebow already. We, we, uh, I've, I mean, you hear rumblings sure. since the beginning. I can't help but think that once Tim Tebow came in, Mark Sanchez was like, crap. You know, I can't throw an interception, I can't fumble the ball, I can't, you know, we can't lose, or they're going to put Tim Tebow in. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. In my opinion, they're 2-2. Two and two. Why, why are we freaking out? You well, know, the they're one you. game out of the first, they're one game out of first in their division. They have a good defense. They have an average running game. They have a nice receiver in Santonio Holmes, a veteran. They have, even though he's somewhat of a problem child, a problem man at this point. You have Dustin Keller. You have, you have a very able uh, uh, tight end. You know... I don't understand why Tim Tebow is already being brought up, and I and, well, I, and I can't. It's always it, fun to panic. Yep. And it's always fun to have the you know what everybody's not doing right to talk about, rather than taking like a quarterback like Sanchez and saying, okay, so what is he good at, and how do we take that and build the sucker up and let's get him out there and get him playing in the right way, rather than knocking the crap out of him and wondering why he's not playing any better. I mean, the, he has always just won games. It wasn't pretty a lot, even when they made it to the AFC Championship game twice. It wasn't pretty, but they beat the Colts that year. I mean, it's he gets a bad rap, 
but I think that he is an underwhelming quarterback at best. I think he was drafted too high in the, in the draft. Coming out of USC, it's very difficult to determine how good they're going to be in the NFL because USC is known for their offensive line and their defense and their stud-wide receivers. So you have a quarterback that's not touched. I mean, Matt Leinart is the best example of that. He wasn't touched in four years. And, you know, they won championships, he won a high, you know, blah, blah, blah. But look, he's flopped almost as bad as Ryan Leaf did in the NFL. So it's really difficult to determine what Mark Sanchez would do coming out of college. He didn't look that good in college. So I don't know why people think that he's going to be this Pro Bowl quarterback when he gets to the NFL. Well, how many throws is uh, Tebow getting during practice right now, too? I mean, you take a guy that's been moved to a brand-new team, new players around him. I don't know how much he's been, you know, getting throws during practice time, but you take him and throw him out on the field, who knows what you're going to get. And just because he had certain games uh, when he was back in Denver doesn't mean he's going to play at that same level out on the uh, this field. And Tebow's not a great quarterback either. He's a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he that's was like being that very in Florida. nice. <laughs> he, he, in Florida, he could win games. He could mm-hmm. do things. He He's not a great quarterback either. But I think, like with Sanchez, he's got to listen to um, Ryan's says he's my, he's my quarterback. We're not going anywhere. We're not going to Tebow yet. It's the media. It's yet. everyone else. Yet is the operative yeah. word there. And he's obviously, obviously going to say he's obviously going to say that it's his quarterback because what else well, you, you can say, say that uh, Tim Tebow was a victim or a you know a, a prophet of. Uh, profit. That's a good, that's a funny word. Uh, he was a prophet of Product of the uh, well. That's what I said of the uh, spread offense in Florida. So he had all these gaudy numbers, records for touchdowns by quarterback, rushing touchdowns, blah blah blah. It's different in the NFL, especially when you take 46 seconds to throw a pass uh, at, at your fastest with with this windup. I don't. He, Tebow has been a part of 32 plays for a total of 103 yards this year. So his effect isn't working in that division. It was easy the first year when you have no tape on the guy. You don't know how 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 that option's gonna how an option's gonna work. How he's just gonna run out of the backfield and shotgun. How he's gonna throw the ball down the field uh, on a play action. It's when you don't have tape on a guy. It's it's easy for that person to flourish if they're put in the right situation. Well, and, and they, he had nothing to lose last year. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and and he had everything to gain after after they made the playoffs in that right. eighty seventy five yard touchdown pass to Demarius Thomas to to beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, which was crazy. Well, it, it was a blown coverage on by one of the best safeties in the game, Troy mm-hmm. Polamalu. So, uh, you know, and then you look at uh, St. Louis and Seattle. Let's stay in the NFC West. Russell Wilson's on the chopping block already. You know, they're talking about Matt oh, Flynn yeah. coming in. Mm-hmm. They're last in the NFL in passing. But again, they have an incredible defense, a prolific running back who's come out who's come out of the woodwork since he was in Buffalo. He had one good year in Buffalo, Marshawn Lynch. Got hurt, was suspended for four games. Comes to Seattle and, and reinvents himself after that ridiculous um, playoff, ridiculous run for a touchdown in the playoffs last year. Their defense, their DBs, Secondary are the tallest in NFL history. I think they they average six one or six two, which is which is pretty which is tall. pretty tall yeah. for DBs. I don't know why he's the scapegoat already. They're two and two also. They lose to to a, a now healthy St. Louis team. Uh, Danny Amendola's back. He got hurt uh, early last year. He's he's a great wide receiver. He's he's kind of like a Wes Welker, but he plays on the outside as well as in the slot. Stephen Jackson stays. If Stephen Jackson can stay healthy, Sam Bradford. They're not a bad team as well. They lose 19-13. Russell Wilson 17 of 25 for 160. Marshawn Lynch 20 carries, 118 yards, and a touchdown. Defense and running and not turning the ball over is recipe for wins. So I don't know why Russell Wilson needs to be 
um, needs to be scapegoated at this point, especially when they've. I mean, and granted, the replacement refs gave them a win, but nobody's going to remember that at the end of the year. Right. You know, so it's not well, at least not next year. If Green Bay makes the playoffs, nobody's going to remember it. So right. I, I don't know. I mean, and, and we're going to segue into down and dirty with Deborah here because St. Louis has. Uh, Arizona St. Louis on Thursday, and uh, what do you think about a short week here? Ooh, short week can be brutal. Uh, when I'm working with players and they're playing on Sunday and then they turn around and play on a Thursday, um, that can be really tough because the recovery period on their bodies, um, it takes a while. I mean, they're going to go through, you know, getting iced down and stretched and massaged and, you know, mentally, emotionally, and physically um, after a very, very physical game plus a week before it getting ready for the Sunday game, it can be brutal. So part of what I look at is knowing that mentally, physically, and emotionally they have to go through a recovery period is, you know, what is it that burns up energy? And part of it physically, obviously, the, it's, it's the exertion, which, you know, they don't practice quite as much when they're going into a short week like that. So that can help. But they're also in pain. And when you're in pain, that stress on the body starts to uh, burn up some of your energy as well. They also, any type of negative thoughts or worries or wonders, um, those negative thoughts burn up um, energy and they burn it up quick. Um, I don't know if people realize, but we have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 65,000 thoughts a day. And of that, about 98% of them are the same thoughts we had the previous day and the day before that and we're going to have tomorrow, too. So if somebody is worrying about the game that they just had or worrying and wondering about the game they're about to have, those stressful thoughts that are going to keep repeating themselves are burning up energy. So now you have a guy who uh, is trying to recover and is in pain and is maybe worrying about what's going to happen, and he's expending energy really quickly, and he could be sitting in a chair uh, or trying to sleep. So what can you do? The other side of that is looking at, first of all, routines. You go, always go back. Even the guys, my guys that travel, they have routines for when they travel because routines give you a level of comfort. They're in a hotel that's away from home. Um, they don't know it like the hotels that they stay in when they're at home. So that's something that's different. But as long as their routine is the same, then at least they have something that they know that they can count on um, when they take their naps, depending on when their game is. I mean, they'll take a nap uh, a lot of times on Saturdays after they get back to the, um, uh, in this case, it would be on a, a Wednesday. You know, they get back and they uh, are done with meetings and they're trying to take a nap. Well, there's a difference between laying down and closing your eyes and drifting off to sleep, whether at night or for a nap, and being restful. Um, and rest comes from when you're resting your body and your mind comes from being able to create that coherent state, a state where the emotions that you're feeling and the thoughts that you're having are creating an electrical signal from your heart to your brain that says everything is just fine. And then it floods your body with a chemical that lets your muscles and everything relax and know that everything is just fine and your digestive system. If you're in a state of stress and you're worrying, no matter how much you push it down, shove it down and say, nah, no worries, I got this. Well, it's a bunch of BS um, because your mind and your um, autonomic nervous systems are saying, nah, you really don't, dude, you know. You really don't. And the amount of sleep you're going to get, no matter how many hours you lay there in bed, is not going to be restful. The other thing is looking at what are you doing when you're on the, um, not only in the locker room, but on the field. And uh, the guys that I work with have routines when they're on the field that no matter what position, what side of the ball they're on, that they know when they're going to pump it up, when to pump it up and play at their competitive best, but they also know when to calm it down. When they're on the sidelines, knowing that they've got four quarters and four quarters that are heavy-duty play that takes a lot of mental and emotional and physical stress, 
they know how to calm their bodies down in the moment on the sideline for the period of time that they have so when they're ready to go back in the game, they can go back in at their competitive best. So there's ways that they can set themselves up to still be at their competitive best when they're playing in a short week, but they've got to have the tools and techniques to do it. Now, what about on the road? I mean, how, how do you, I mean, you, I, so the hotel, everything, you know, trying to make it feel like home and try to make, try to drone. Uh, Guys that I work with have routines for at home and away. They've got routines for on the airplane. When they, A lot of guys, when they get on the airplane, um, they know what seat that they usually sit in. They know who's sitting next to them, what their personality is like. That's typically the same. They usually take their test on the plane. Um, and as soon as they take their test, they know what their routine is. If they're going to put their headset on, what are you listening to? Are you listening to something that's going to pump you up and, you know, really wear you out or calming music? And if it's calming music, what type of music? Um, so this is some of the times when they'll listen to some of the um, positive recordings that I record for them using their own words um, that allows them to relax but still feed their subconscious mind. Um, they have routines for in the hotel. For walking into a stadium, there's difference between walking into your home stadium and walking into an away stadium because sure. the crowd is a whole lot different. And based on the personality of the player, we set up a routine that that becomes something that they can expect. And when you can expect it in a positive way, you know how to respond to it rather than react to it. And then also in the locker room, we also look at when you're out on the field and the national anthem's playing, that's another trigger. Going through the tunnel's a trigger. So we set up all sorts of ways of knowing what state do you want to be in that matches the situation that you're in so that you always feel and know that you have control of your own mental, physical, and emotional state so you can play at your best and be instinctive when you're on the field. So it's not so much trying to make an away game feel like a home game, it's more understanding and coping with it being an away game. Yes, understanding it's an away game and there are certain things. Now I've heard of, um, in fact I think it's the um, ASU, one of the things that they do, they take posters, they take all sorts of stuff with them on the road to an away game so the away locker room feels like their home locker mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. But again, you can do that mentally as well and by having the same music that you always listen to sure. which again is the music that's actually going to help you rather than just try to drown out the thoughts and numb you out. Cool. That was Down and Dirty with Deborah. Check her out, yourclearedge.com. we got to take a break. Uh, maybe on the other side of this break, you'll see what it's like to be on the road, what it has to do with Rory McIlroy, and how he had a little trouble with it. Kwame Lazarus, Sports Talk. We'll be back. flagship station for sports voice america sports sports and medicine go hand in hand quite simply if you aren't up to your game health wise you won't be up to your game on the field that's where bruce the sports doc comes in dr bruce grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce, the sports doc, and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. 
It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Mark, I appreciate the Stevie shout out. Uh, we were talking about how to cope with playing on the road, understanding getting your mental state uh, intact, in tune uh, before performing. Oh, that's a nice segue to the Ryder Cup. <laughs> um, Europe beats the U.S. 14.5 to 13.5. U.S. had a 10 to 6 lead going into the singles matches on Sunday. Oh, this is called a catastrophe. People have called it a collapse. Europe won eight of the 12 matches on Sunday. Uh, Tiger halved his, uh, which was after uh, the Europe had already clinched. People have, have been asking why the U.S. has to have 14.5 points to win and why Europe only had to have 14 to retain. The answer is because if there is a tie, 14 to 14, the tie goes to the past champion. So the, the Europe can tie or win and still win, and the U.S. has to win, in order, win. in order to win. Mm-hmm. So I think the whole story about this, in my opinion, this week was the rookies, Keegan Bradley, Bradley Jason Duffner, uh, Bubba Watson, Brant Snedeker, the, the most recent FedEx Cup champion. You see the passion in golf that you don't see normally. Now, in my opinion, once again, I think the Ryder Cup is pointless. I mean, not pointless, but I think that in the grand scheme of things, it's not as important as anything else. It's great for your for your respective countries. That's great, you know, uh, country pride and everything. You, you show pride, you show camaraderie with your fellow uh, golfers. But golf is an individual sport, so I don't really think it's it has it holds that much weight as everybody makes it seem like. Especially because Tiger went 0 three and one. Tiger won zero matches, mm-hmm. uh, and he. You know, he played great. Uh, I think part of it had to do with Steve Stricker not performing as well as he normally would in these events. Steve Stricker and Tiger Woods team up a lot in these events. So uh, Davis Love III, the uh, U.S. captain, uh, put them together, and it, it didn't work. Isn't it kind of like an all-star game, though? I mean, an all, like in the grand scheme of things, baseball all-star game... Why do you say that? Well, because well, like it's now a team sport. It's now a team sport. It's it's right. something that it doesn't in the grand scheme of things really doesn't mean a whole lot. But you've got the best of your each respective group out there, and it's something that it gets people involved. There's a lot of people that watch the Ryder Cup. Did you? I mean, the crowds there were unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. I'm not but diminishing. Chicago. I'm not. I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm not diminishing the uh, the the importance at the time of it. It's pretty much us versus them. Is the huge thing. It's like who has the best golfers in the world. That's well, what it's about. It, it's a, it, it's a, uh, it, it's a dude. It, it's, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm losing the words. I'm losing the words. I don't want to. I have to do a fist pump right now. I Come on, collectively. I two, yes. I have two uh, ladies in studio. I can't. I gotta choose well, my words thing. wisely. Here's the thing. No, you don't. <laughs> I got 25 years ever? of construction, dude. Believe me, you don't. Um, here's the thing with. Um, when we look at it, yes, golf is an individual sport. So individual, and the reality is, every sport is an individual sport that happens to be played as a team. 
Um, when you look at the Ryder Cup, the golfers in this particular instance are playing individually, but they're playing for a team, meaning their country. So what it can do is that it can actually help you and or hurt you um, because the pressure can be greater or the pump-up can be greater because you've got people around you that you don't normally have around mm-hmm. you that are actually rooting you on or, depending on the player and their own personality, can be um, looking at the other guys on the team and going, oh, crap, you know, I'm the one that's, you know, messing this up for the whole team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the two things, as I alluded to before, the rookies was a big thing. Mm-hmm. And Keegan Bradley and Phil Mickelson had one of the best pic- picture moment, picture-perfect moments. They have their arms around each other. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's that's what a veteran's supposed to do. Right. Keegan Bradley has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't remember the tournament. You know, that's an out-of-body experience for him. His first time on a huge stage. Phil Mickelson's like, dude, I got you. Quoting you, Deb. Dude, I got you. 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 Uh, (laughs) And then you have Tiger Woods, who is always exploited in these tournaments because he's the only real individual amongst everybody. Granted, it's an individual sport. It's a team aspect at this point. I think the reason why they always put Steve Stricker with Tiger is because he's the one that doesn't need any sort of anything with his teammate. They're both playing on the same team, but they couldn't be further apart. They're friends off the... their friends off the off, off the, the field, off the course, uh, but, <laughs> off but, the green stuff that they yeah, play on. <laughs> what does that What does that really mean with Tiger? I don't know. I don't know what his uh, interpersonal relationships are, but you have Phil Mickelson on the other side of it. Very, very uh, personable. He, this kid is a Keegan Bradley's a child, and he comes up and he's like, you know, let's let's win this together. And and Keegan, I mean, that well, Mickelson that shows, can drop into a mentorship type role, and play his own game, and, and be a mentor at the do. same time, yeah. right? And that's and I think if they split up, if they put Tiger with one of the kids, if they put Tiger with Webb Simpson, and put Steve Stricker with Jason Duffner or something to that effect, mm-hmm. where you go veteran rookie, maybe it, there'd be more cohesive uh, cohesive nature of the team. It depends on the individuals. It, it does, yeah. Really depends on the personalities. Tiger at his best was always one that was a closer, so you could always depend on him, no matter where you are, whatever you needed, you could get. It. And, you know, that's not who Tiger is anymore. And his best way of playing is when he shuts everything and everybody else out. So that's not, then he goes back to the individual player who happens to be on a team. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still feels the pressure of everybody else because he's, you know, got the expectations on him, just like the other players, that they're supposed to be the best of the best. They're not supposed to fold under pressure. Yeah, but he, he, has, nothing to, he has nothing to fall back on because he has no interpersonal uh, communication with these guys. Right. So at least if Phil Mickelson blows up and has a horrible round, at least, you know, at least he's teaching along the way. He's, right. I mean, he has mm-hmm. other reasons to be there besides just winning his match right. by playing his game. You know, and, well, and he's approachable, so people, yeah. the other guys on the team, will come up to him and buffer him up, or you as know, or with know. each yeah. other. Yeah, with Tiger, I don't know how approachable he may or may not be Phil, off the course. Phil actually looked like he was having a an, a good time, like he was interacting with mm. both teams, not just USA. Like he was commending when the other team had a good shot. He was, or enjoying, or the he moment. was enjoying himself. Yeah. He was in the moment, and he was having a great day. Because in, in the grand scheme of things, Cindy, you are you are correct, which, oh, God, I almost threw up. Did you uh, just say that? Um, it is an exhibition. It, it's a very, it's a competitive exhibition that the All-Star Game in the Major League Baseball, I believe, should be a pure exhibition with, with no uh, ramifications after, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, it it was fun to watch, Okay. The kids that played, Webb Simpson and uh, Keegan Bradley, played out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, they accounted for nine of the 13.5 points for the U.S. Uh, what really happened with this was Europe made everything on Sunday. That's not saying that they got lucky because they didn't. Oh, Ian no, Poulter, they played well. Ian Poulter 
has put his face on the map officially. Now, granted, he's always been a top 10, top 15 guy, always been a clutch player, but some of the putts that he made may, will make people change their mind about him and actually put him on the radar of golf lovers, uh, you know, regardless of, of how much you will love and watch golf. Well, Martin Keimer's mm-hmm. final putt the final was putt. unbelievable. And I love Martin Keimer. Like, I'm mm. a huge fan of his, and I was sitting there going, miss it, miss it. And I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> Um, but it was an amazing putt for him to close it out like that. And then to see those guys jumping all over each other and sh- blowing the champagne bottle. I mean, like, that was exciting. That was well, fun because you never get to see that in golf. One it's- thing one thing that I will I, – I agree, but I will disagree with you on this regard. There was still a match being played. Uh, Tiger uh, was still playing there. He was one he up conceded. on the 18th fairway. Yeah. First of all, you'd never concede anything. Right. Okay, True. number one. Especially Tiger. I don't understand where that came from. I mean, granted, they looked around. They're like, uh, "Do we still need to play? Do we need to finish out?" Yeah, I understand he's that there for was a some... white towel to throw in, right? right. Yeah. But you finish, and the Europe. Granted, I think if the U.S. did it, it would have been ten times bigger because we're we're Americans. So I mean, granted, you know, we'd be doing doing the snake on the green and like doing doing all that stuff. So I, I just don't understand why Tiger didn't why they didn't finish out, and that's something that 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 you know it baffled me. Granted, it's it's a very very minuscule part of what happened, and. Hats off to Europe for coming back down ten six, and I just don't really understand. You need you need to complete the There's task before it's over. Yeah. Yep. I mean, There's sixty minutes on a football field. There's eighteen holes in golf. So Finishes. I mean, I mean, having said that, it was one of the most exciting Sundays or weekends, let alone Sundays that we've seen in a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Europe's good. I mean, people don't, especially here. On the Golf Channel, you have commercials for U.S. players. You have Jason Dubner, you have Webb Simpson, you have Keegan Bradley, all these guys that, you know, it was their first Ryder Cup. You have Tiger, Phil, all over the place. Uh, Sergio, I think, is uh, an exception to that because he's been around forever. He's been around for almost 15 years, so... McElroy. Well, Rory, but... So you have... So you don't... So say you don't know golf. You know who Rory McElroy is because maybe you, you read the tabloids, he's dating uh, Will Zniacki, you know, the number one golfer in the uh, tennis player, women's tennis player in the world. He's 22 years old. He's made the covers. He's well, right, mm-hmm. he blew up at the Masters, so that's why or yep. he blew up and that's why people know him initially. So, if you don't know golf, you don't know who Justin Rose is. You don't know who Luke Donald is. Mm-hmm. You don't know who Francisco Molinari is. You know, you don't know who Martin Keimer is. You know Graham McDowell because he's been a face. He's been a face um, cuz he won at Pebble Beach. And it my point is that the US I have a lot of points that, I'm, that, I, that point. I'm continuing. You always have, have points. I always have points. Uh, it was exciting, and it put these European guys on the map, I believe, because golf is becoming more and more mainstream. And, you know, it it was exciting. And it made it made the papers not just the sports page because of the huge comeback and because of all the... the uh, the storylines, you know, that are intertwined with it. Right. Well, and you look at the camaraderie from Europe, too. I mean, USA is USA. Europe is all over. The, they are all Multiple over. Multiple countries. Yep. So for them to all band together, like, that was kind of a big, it was kind of fun to see, too. Right. The camaraderie between all the different countries. Right. And that's the thing. At the end of it, whenever there was a celebration, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, even though, you know, obviously I'm rooting for the U.S. to win, but to have that amount of emotion and celebration when it comes to golf was fun to watch and it was one of those you felt good for them because they really worked hard and they did actually win it it wasn't that the u.s lost it the europeans won it yeah Yeah. and they were there and the crowds were definitely into it it was great you could see Mm -hmm. every hole it could get progressively louder and more alcohol induced and more alcohol induced which got annoying at points because i mean especially when it was getting really close you had those idiots yelling from the crowd which Mm -hmm. i can't stand but you have, so at TBC Scottsdale, here, at the Waste Management, you have the 16th. Yep. You have the 16th right. hole. Everybody gets hammered. Everybody's there. They go there 
before the first people tee off. So they're there all day, you know, whatever. It's the party. And drinking is free there once you buy your way in. Yeah, there's and there, <laughs> there's two of those at the go, at the course that they were at. Hmm. There's two. So imagine having two holes, two potholes that you have to jump over with all of the crazy antics that go on. You know, I'm they sure they beat the, off of that though. I know a lot of guys. I'm here sure that in this love it. Well, I'm it sure depends it, on the golfer and whether you're up or down. It, well, it's also, mm. and, I mean, it is also an exhibition. Nobody's going to remember who won the Ryder Cup in 2012. It's not going to happen. You're going to remember the Masters if you're a golf fan. You're going to remember all the majors, but it's really not going to matter with the Ryder Cup. But it does happen every two years, so there's a little bit more allure if it happened every one year. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was a great tournament, and it was uh, very, very exciting to watch. And I'm really happy, once again, that the rookies performed. Because it, it, it gives them validation. Those are the only people that really cared the most about being on this team because they were chosen and they performed. Well, and Keimer even made the comment that now he understands that what it's like to be part of a team, that whenever he won you know, a major, that was a big deal to him. But he now understands what it's like to be part of a team and to win as a team and to win for his country and to have yeah. countrymen around him and that too um, during the win you know, was well, quite isn't, a feat. Isn't the World Cup the only other thing that they play for their country, pretty much? For soccer? I mean, the world... No, for golf. Oh. Uh, they I play think... two on a team. It's two on a team, but they play... Is that the only other thing that they play as a team for their country? As far as I know. I don't know. They, they do soccer. <laughs> they do soccer in Europe. Uh, we got to take a break. Next segue. Like stairs going on. Well done, Timmy. Uh, we're going to come back talk about a little Geno Smith, his video game numbers that he put up. Kwame uh, Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll be back. <laughs> to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports if you want to talk about the east coast sports scene particularly from the southeast make sure you tune in to the jeff owen show every tuesday yeah we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there but host jeff owens and co-host tasha humphrey know the inside and out of the georgia college sports world and they were born there raised there and still live the scene We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about, either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We got about nine minutes to cover three topics, so uh, buckle up. Go. Uh, <laughs> Geno Smith, 
as I alluded to before, uh, video game numbers, Deborah means that you put up way crazier numbers playing college he, football on a video he did, game. He did good. He, he did good. Well, he did well. <laughs> he, he, did, he, did, he did well also. So uh, uh, West Virginia beats Baylor 70 to 63. Geno Smith 45 of 51, 656 yards passing, eight touchdowns. 1507 total yards in that game? Yeah, 700, it was crazy. 786 total yards at halftime, 10 total touchdowns at halftime. Geno Smith has 28 interceptions on the year, 20 touchdowns. So uh, he's RG3-ing it way earlier than RG3 did last year, throwing himself into the Heisman race. This is all thanks to Cam Newton, as I've talked about a few times before. If Cam Newton didn't produce like he did last year as a rookie with his skill set, RG3 wouldn't, I don't think, have had as great of opportunities, he wouldn't have gone number two overall because a passing and running quarterback, you have the Michael Vick effect, Michael Vick effect, you get hurt, you, you break him like a toothpick. You've got options. So, right. but, yeah. but Geno, I mean, Geno Smith is a big dude, and I mean, he's, I think that, I think he, I mean, he, he's the Heisman hopeful now, especially because Matt Barkley has fallen off after they lost to Stanford. Quick. Anything yeah. else to say? Got more games to play, a lot, a lot of season yeah, to go. Really so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, where's the consistency? They're yeah. a top ten team, now, so Pro- that'll also help. His, that'll also help his Heisman <laughs> hopes. Sure. Uh, Major League Baseball, Cindy. Uh, the AL, the five teams are, uh, the five playoff teams are decided: Yankees, Orioles, Tigers, Rangers, Athletics. Nobody knows who anybody's playing yet, though, because all the records are very close together. Two games to play could go to tiebreaker. Who knows? National League, you have the Nationals, Braves, Reds, and Giants are in. St. Louis is two up with two to play over the Dodgers. So if the Dodgers make this comeback after losing Matt Kemp early, getting this trade for the whole Boston Red Sox team, uh, Don Mattingly's headed on the chopping block, which is ridiculous at this point because it's only, like, a, what, a third of the season that they had him, if that. It'll be really interesting to see if St. Louis can make it after losing uh, Albert Pujols with all the injuries they've had. Uh, th- these playoffs are going to be the most fun that we've had in a long time because none of these teams should... Well, you have the Yankees, the Rangers, and the Tigers are three that people ex- not didn't expect, but you know they were in the, in the pool for making the playoffs. The Orioles and Athletics, bravo. Billy Bean did it again. Bravo for him with the A's. The Orioles, Buck Showalter. The, the Orioles... I am so happy for because they talked about them making the playoffs last year. They fell off, uh, and this is what baseball is all about. So many games are played, and the strongest teams each year make the playoffs. I've always been an advocate for making more teams to make the playoffs, do eight in each or something. Because the season's so long, you don't want to only have three teams make the playoffs after playing 162 games, but now, now I'm starting to come around. Especially with these teams that aren't supposed to win, with with without the huge bankroll uh, payrolls and everything, Cindy, go. Well, and now you've got ten teams making the playoffs, which that's a third. I I don't know. I have a hard time with the NHL and the NBA with their sixteen of thirty. Um, ten teams is good. Any more than that is overkill. But I, the one I'm not, I'm still not sure. I'm gonna have to watch it. This one game playoff with the two wild card teams. Even two out of three, maybe. I'm not sure about all of this because there's a lot that goes into playing a baseball game to getting teams over there and to do that. I'm on the fence with the whole two out of three. I think it's, or, or I, I think one, it's a step. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think at some point, what could happen is this will end up being a best out of five series, and then you have two best out of seven series, and then the World Series. Granted, it's a lot of games, but if they do that and they cut the regular season by 20 games or something, 
you know, whatever. It, I agree. It needs to be more than one game, but this is the most exciting. It's it's win or go home. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing, especially the allure is definitely there for the first time they're doing it. So I think that both sides, it's it's double edged. It's it's not double edged. It's double rounded sword. So it's it's a win win. You know what, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that's exactly you can what make I meant. Deborah choke on her coffee. That's exactly what I meant to say, and it <laughs> makes total sense. Just a visual. Sense. I'm trying to get, get that it makes, in my mind. It makes total sense. Okay, so now I'm going to segue over to Miguel Cabrera or Mike Trout for the AL MVP. Mike you Trout. have Mike. Well, here's the thing. Don't you don't you interrupt me. You have Mike Trout, whose team just did not make the playoffs. The, but the the new sabermetric thing that everybody's talking about is WAR, Win, winning uh, wins above replacement, meaning how how many games a player uh, uh, adds, how many wins a player adds to a team above an average replacement player? And Mike Trout has that in spades. He has 40, 40 stolen bases, thirty home runs. He's twenty freaking years old. Okay, so the Angels had the second worst record. In the American League, in the American League, when Mike Trout was brought up, now they have the best since he's come up. Okay, so that's for him. Miguel Cabrera is, tri- is triple crown threat. Okay, he's leading. He's first in all categories: home runs, batting average, runs batted in. But with this up, with this upbringing of sabermetrics into Major League, where there's a stat for everything, does it mean as much as it did when Carlos Stremski won in 1967, which was the last winner? So that plus Detroit one is making the playoffs, so that's a debate. And Cindy, you obviously want to pick Miguel Cabrera because you said that before, right? Yeah, no. Okay. I uh, I'm a huge fan of Mike Trout, so okay, I think so that's take a little that away. personal. Take yeah, that away. See, but I can't take that away. You have to take I'm it away. I'm a huge fan. You have to take it away. I'm a huge fan of Randy Johnson. I want him to win the Cy Young every year, but he can't anymore. I just think, like what you said, I, gosh, agreeing with stuff that you said. But, you know, the Angels did it. They turned it around when he started playing. So I, you got to give him that what, what would have happened had he been playing the whole time. Yeah, I, but Albert Pujols wasn't going to go cold the whole year. You know, I think everybody started on the other side of that. Everybody started to just pick it up. I think maybe he'd been the spark that they needed, but I don't think he, he's obviously not single-handedly responsible because there's no such thing in baseball. But he always took a backseat to Bryce Harper the whole time they were prepping him before they even got both got to the bigs. Um and I watched them both comparatively, and he's always, to me, had that talent, had the ability to come through and do what he's done. So Who? Mike Trout? Mike Trout. No, they didn't make the playoffs, and Bryce Harper did. So that's another. Deborah, what do you think? I don't think about this very much at all. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that on your but, face. I wanted to ask. But I do want to I add something that's completely off topic, just for the all the guys that are listening out there. If you happen to be in the Dallas area and you want to pick up something nice for the wife or the girlfriend, you can go to Victoria's Secrets. It's at the Dallas Stadium now. So go over there. Pink is there. It's the first time they're in a professional sports stadium. And Cowboys can't win, but you can pick up some goodies to take home and uh, have a good time on your own. You can win at home. I didn't. Wow. Nice. <laughs> a little fun fact. Absolutely fun, fun fact. fact so. Okay, um, I do want to bring up Sounds of Autism once again. I spoke about it the last few weeks. Go to soundsofautism.org, uh, bringing the voice back to the community and making everybody aware of the of the ever presence of autism in children and adults, for that matter. Uh, there's going to be some events coming up October 18th at the Mint in Old Town Scottsdale. There will be a bachelor and bachelorette auction. Uh, the proceeds will be going to Sounds of Autism. You'll be hearing a lot about it. Deborah and I are both uh, a part of this uh, charity now. Uh, and, and Deborah, go ahead. 
Well, autism, just so you know, is it's one in eighty-eight. One in eighty-eight children are affected by autism. Uh, one in fifty-four boys. This is a growing, growing problem, and it's a neurological disorder. Um, people often see one of the problems is that parents don't even like to take their autistic children out in public because they get made fun of. Um, they get bullied and all sorts of things because they look and or act different. Um, it's like anything else. You see somebody that doesn't look like you, and it's somebody to poke fun of, and it's it's just a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, the, because it's called um, the spectrum, uh, can go all the way from Asperger's up or up to you know the other end of the spectrum, where some people with uh, autism are very very high functioning um, degrees and all sorts of neurology and and science and teachers and others are close to being institutionalized. So it's something you need to pay attention to. If it's not in your family, it's in your neighbors or um, your next door or the neighbor down the road. Um, Go out to Facebook to um, uh, soundsofautism.org and uh, like us out there. Go to Balance the Spectrum on Facebook as well. I've got some courses coming up soon and uh, check it out, people. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of events coming up. Uh, Starting to plan uh, many events for, so if you like us on Facebook, you'll be able to follow and and come out to the events. Uh, It's supporting a really good cause and and I think that this is going to be a big, big thing. So thanks guys. Cindy, Deborah, Alex Clancy in studio. Good show, guys. Hoo-wah. Can I be an auction person? Maybe that'll get me a date. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, wrong show. Uh, Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk. Uh, Cindy hopefully won't be here next week. Oh, sick burn. See you guys next week. for tuning in this week. Come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.